Welcome to the Quantum Theater Podcast, where we'll finally explore the nature of reality in a way where we don't pretend to have all the answers. We're evolving ourselves as we're speaking to you, because that's just the way life is. Let's play in the quantum realm and open the portals into our true selves. All right, welcome to the Quantum Theater Podcast. I am really excited for today's guest. We're gonna have a lot of fun. This is one of my best friends coming to you from Holland, the Netherlands, Peter Vermeeren. He's a consciousness teacher, breath worker, and really has been one of the staples in my life because he does a weekly breathwork session. Thanks for joining, Peter. Thank you for having me, Joshua. And uh, likewise, I'm, I'm really thrilled to, uh, to be in your show. And um, we met a few years ago and it was such a beautiful experience to meet up. And immediately we went to a festival together where we really connected on a, on a beautiful deep level, danced together like crazy, but also had really beautiful experiences. And um, yeah, you keep influencing me in my work and the talks we have are just amazing. So um, yeah, I really admire you as a coach and as a teacher. And, and, um, and what I feel is you combine a beautiful insight and um openness with a great intellect which is uh which is very rare <laughs> so and also your 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 vocabulary and your way of speaking and your way of writing is is uh, poetic and deep and uh, really beautiful so i'm i'm really happy to to share with you thoughts ideas uh what we are working on so i'm really really happy to to be here thank you so much that's Feels good to hear. Yeah, Peter, for you, you've you've been um, a source of so much light for me. Like the the humility that you really embody has been one of my teachers, and um, it's been quite interesting to you know I I'm not like here to compare anybody for competition reasons, but but seeing how you embody humility um, in the way that you work with people has kind of forced me to ask, like, do I feel that way? Like sometimes, sometimes I'm more in my intellect and it makes it so it's not like real embodied humility. And I really feel like that's something that, that you always bring to the table and demonstrate really well. And people listening will, will know what I'm talking about like no pressure, but <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's just obvious to me. So I'm really grateful for you too. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That, that's, that's wonderful to hear, but also that, that, that humility has two sides, you know, you know, you're, we talked about Enneagrams lately and uh, it gave me a lot of insights by the way. 
and uh, really, really uh, looked into into what my Enneagram was. It was like 20 years ago when I did the last test. Yeah. And uh, I discarded it a little bit. And uh, now I came back to it and really dived into it. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And about this humility, I'm a type nine. So I'm, I'm always looking for peace, not looking for conflict. But also I'm, 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 I'm a bit on the nice guy side. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm I'm trying to alter a little bit and be more <laughs> more strong in my opinions and uh, uh, that uh, yeah it was really helpful so yeah last the last show we did we talked a lot about the enneagram and it was in the title of the show so today I'm gonna um, even though I'm tempted to talk about it I'm gonna try and steer into <laughs> different directions um, you know one of the things that uh, Peter has has a unique flair for is dancing and um it's not as unique in holland because a lot of people are dancing um but coming from from the point of view of uh people in the states i love how like you know when you want to go dancing and you know when it's time to dance and um i've heard so many stories that you've had about like transcendent experiences on the dance floor and i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about this because almost like a like dance as a teacher of consciousness mm. yeah that's that's really coming together in the i i, I uh, played as a dj not as a brief teacher but as a dj last saturday at a yoga school for a few hours which is like an open day for everybody to come. So I played together with a friend and we're, yeah, what I really feel is that the DJs and the people playing music uh, are like the new shamans, are like the people who create stories, who who bring people into different types of consciousness. And uh, Mm. um, that's something I I just found out like five years ago or so. I was... Mm. 48 when I was partying again after many many years and I always had a really really big taste for music and I was really into music but uh, it really touches me music it can really take me away mm-hmm. uh, but dancing wasn't in my life for a long time and I've been saying for the past 10 years I want to be get more creativity in my life I want to get more uh, yeah, I was I was working, but I was not as creative as I, as I as I could be. And in the past years, this this when I stepped on the dance floor five years ago for the first time again after many many years, it was like a really really heart opening experience. And mm. um, and the beautiful thing I feel is that it came on top of my spiritual practice of the past twenty years. Yeah. And then I stepped on the dance floor, and it was like a spiritual experience for me. And yeah. uh, wow. a deep connection with the music, a deep connection with the people around me, um, deep connection with my body. Mm. Uh, and, uh, I love moving. I love sporting a lot. I did, did it a lot in, in, in my, in my, uh, in my whole life, actually. So that really wow. makes me feel good. And then the combination of moving music and deep human connections is something really beautiful. And then, of course, you, you you come to the you you also come to the subject of certain substances you can use to induce yeah. your <laughs> yeah uh, some types of uh, of awakenings and yeah uh, yeah yeah and that that is also very interesting. I was very very anti 
any substances actually yeah mm -hmm. uh, until a few years ago when it really opened me up and um mm. it was really beautiful and uh by the way the sound is now your fan and your computer is <laughs> okay okay <laughs> okay let's see if this helps a little bit i'll turn my microphone that's better that's better yeah that's now better. it stopped also yeah yeah Great. all okay. right okay yeah, so so it really really opened me up, and um, and um, yeah, the, the 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 things also that 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 helped me was uh, especially psychedelics in the in the on the dance floor, and uh, this was something that really um, got me in a state that was so profound and so connected that um, it was just pure bliss for me. Uh, uh, you were there with me on, wow. uh, on that festival when I did it for the first time. Yeah, uh, at uh, you know the monastery festival, and yeah, yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw, I saw the connection with everything. I felt the connection with everything. A total, mm. total bliss on the dance floor for, well, a whole weekend actually. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I also saw the value of it now much more. Mm. Um, because before when in my youth when I went to a party I, I was always thinking what are we actually celebrating <laughs> here mm. you know mm. and, and when I these newer more spiritually connected parties uh, with maybe combination of psychedelics and dance yeah. are, are really profound actually are really we're celebrating life and we're celebrating connection we're celebrating love and mm. we're celebrating the, the the lila the play of life and uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's that's, uh, that's how i feel about it actually yeah yeah that's awesome it's it's like we're celebrating because maybe we won't have a chance to tomorrow you know this is it's like living every day as if it's our last i love that yeah yeah in a way it is it, uh, but also in a in a in a playful way and also in a but at the same time, very deep. I don't, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but that's, that's how yeah. I feel it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So wow. it's like, you know, when you dance and we, when you feel the music flow through you, where you become one with the music, it's like, mm -hmm. it's really like the universe is, is going through you, uh, expressing itself through you. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, and also it gave, uh, Nicole and I dance a lot together. Nicole is my partner at Barefoot Energy and also my life partner. Mm -hmm. And she is, uh -huh. um, we reconnected, reconnected together, but we also saw the value of uh, being on the party. Everybody comes to us like, oh, can I stand with you? Stand, I stand, can I dance with you guys? Could you mm. make me feel safe? And we felt seen because of that. We felt like, oh, wow, they see us as we are or as, in our best way, in our best selves, yeah, and they could yeah, see, yeah. and that was a, a kind of a recognition of our true selves. You know, that, that really felt good. That's and awesome. We have that a lot. Like uh, people, uh, people really walk up to us a lot. Like, oh, I want to stand to next to your energy. And that's wonderful to feel, <laughs> and then share the energy that's with the person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so, do you do you ever feel like? Um, is the dance floor like a way for you to to 
stay connected as your true selves or do you feel that um, in other situations too? Um, it was for a while, it was a big part. Of course, the past year was a bit uh, bit less so, which was also good. Uh, less so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was less about dancing. It was more about more spiritual practice and uh, um, about breath work, of course, and about being creative mm -hmm. and being creative with music. Mm -hmm. You know, I mix music for for breath work, but also make new tracks. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that that was the past another way of feeling connected and, and another way of uh, expressing myself creatively. Um, but dance was a, was a big part of it, and still is a big part of it. I hope in the time to come when we when we have a new party. I just had a retreat for three months, uh, a bit like a home retreat. Did some online um, retreats with um, with different teachers, and um, mm -hmm. yeah. So it wasn't much dancing at this moment, but it was a lot of sure. uh, practice yeah. in the last three months. Yeah. Well. Um, so just to make sure we get one of the important questions in on that topic, what would you say to people who who really believe that they can't dance? Oh, that's impossible to that dance. <laughs> 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 well, we so have this crazy you. movie of each of, of the two of us doing like a really strange dance, which was yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can't dance, but you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was, it was a really funny movie, and the people around us was looking at us like we were totally crazy, but <laughs> we're really enjoying ourselves. So, yeah, if you really, if you, if you really are in a certain mind state and you feel the music, there's no way you cannot dance. <laughs> mm. Yeah, meaning it's like, just, yeah, it's it's not about looking good it's not about impressing anybody but if that's what you're focused on then you can't dance because you're deciding i can't dance but if it's really about what feels true to you it doesn't it doesn't have it's not a performance it's it's a it's a experience for yourself right so i think when somebody exactly. says like i can't dance it's kind of like they're already oriented toward it's supposed to look like something. Mm. But I mean, even going for a walk is like a form of dance or, or, you know, making a meal is a kind of dance or, mm. you know, I, what we're doing right now, you know, we don't have any script for this. This is a form of dance. And so just mm. flowing naturally is all that it really is, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's some, some of the, one of the insights I got also in the past three months uh, during my retreat is that that grace is something really beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, doing things with grace. And, mm -hmm. and, and actually, there are two doorways of grace, I, I felt, like mm. doing things with gracefully. So, mm -hmm. and gracefully, I mean beautifully, but also truthfully and also, um, yeah, close to your heart. And mm. um, this just really gives you the chance to purify or to mm. become as, as as graceful and pure as you can and, and with this purification you'll be able to receive grace so that two, these two meanings of grace are i uh, really felt really deeply in uh, in the meditation a few weeks ago okay well and, could you, could this, you, this could is, you give the definitions of grace just so we're clear on that 
Well, for me, uh, it is one thing is like being graceful. So it's like a doing of trying to do things as beautiful as possible, you know, mm -hmm. move as beautiful as possible while you're dancing or make a beautiful meal as, as beautiful as possible, as tasty mm -hmm. as possible. Or, uh, yeah, maybe also the way you dress for, for the people around you, that can be really graceful. Mm -hmm. There's some truth in that beauty as well. Mm -hmm. And um, and with this graceful living, but also the, the way you speak to people, yeah, the way we, the, the friendliness of how you treat people. Yeah. Um, uh, this, is, this is what I mean with being graceful, having mm -hmm. a graceful, truthful life. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, the grace that is bestowed upon you. That is something you receive when you are ready. So mm -hmm. the, those, those the two different definitions. So the, the grace of insight, the grace of enlightenment, the grace of awakening, the grace of whatever you want to call it. It's just uh, yeah. So uh, so would that be a synonym for that? Might be like a, a gift or a blessing or um, yeah 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 exactly okay yeah a blessing yeah yeah, yeah. that would be okay. the right word yeah. So I deeply felt those two that that those two things are connected. You know that 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 finding grace in your life is also something that prepares you to receive grace yeah. and um, yeah so to do things gracefully and what you say about dancing is, is, is sometimes i dance like a maniac you know with <laughs> arms and legs and yeah and sometimes i'm just nodding my head and it doesn't matter <laughs> i just yeah. can be equally and uh, enjoyable so it's <laughs> awesome. so yeah. that's so cool um, you know what? Yeah. So something funny that this conversation is is bringing up in my mind. Um, you know, we talked a bit about the enneagram, and um, and uh, some of you may know my partner is a type seven. And something I just learned is that type sevens are kind of allergic to talking about fun. They want to have the fun. They don't want to talk about it. And so I'm okay. just, I'm, I'm imagining her listening to this uh, conversation like, oh, you guys are talking about dancing instead of doing the dancing. <laughs> I think that's okay. so funny. Yeah. 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 I just yeah. want to acknowledge that that's a possible experience somebody may have while listening to this and that's all good. Oh, it could be. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. 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 Depending on your Enneagram type. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, what I, what I, maybe maybe a little bit about the enneagram. Oh yeah, <laughs> Just feel free. Feel yeah, free. Sure. But what I really, what it, you really gave me as a gift by bringing up this enneagram again in my life is that that that's also actually an insight that came a few weeks after we did this talk about the enneagram and I yeah. looked into it and I studied about it. Is that that I. I should honor my incarnation. I am much more aware that I should honor that who I am and that every aspect of me is a doorway to, well, whatever you want to call it, a grace <laughs> or yeah. alignment or whatever. Truth. And, uh, and, and, and that also the negative aspects or what you perceive as the negative aspects are just Two sides of the same coin it's really something you you gave me a lot of insight in and um uh, i felt like a real real acceptance of of who i am and yeah. um yeah that was uh, uh, that was wonderful too also because this enneagram is with you 
for the rest of your life. Right? Yeah, so yeah. You better exactly. You better embrace it and and, yeah. and, and look through it and, and work with it. And um, yeah, and and, and that's, that's exactly. Oh, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. I, I was uh, <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of something I want to say about it. This, okay. If, yeah. If it comes up, let me know. Um, I was just gonna say, because you know the enneagram type is also known as the ego fixation, um, and even after enlightenment, the ego fixation remains what it is. The ego never goes away, and so this is exactly why different enlightened masters have different opinions different enlightened masters have different ways of doing things and different um uh agendas all together there's there's so many perspectives there's so many types of languaging there's so many approaches to things and mm -hmm. so it's there there is only one truth but it's not a human truth and so the only way we can approach it is through our our human minds is through our our human ego fixations so i just love thinking about this the the diversity of enneagram types the diversity of um perspectives toward this one truth and they're all correct you know there mm -hmm. isn't some there isn't like a an incorrect way to approach truth and i think that's just so cool yeah 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 i feel the same and of course this enneagram is a model and of course that we are we're we're pushing people into a model and that's we have seven million enneagram or seven billion enneagrams on the planet probably because <laughs> we all have our different different antennas and we just receive of this these these this truth or this um this this message this one message that we mm -hmm. and we all express it in um in our own unique ways and um, yeah. through our our uniqueness through our enneagram type or whatever type you want to call it and um our personalities our egos or yeah however yeah. you want to call it and it's 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 beautiful to recognize that you're you're just a receiver and a, a, a transmitter of of uh of information and that you're actually to to be as, as out of the way as possible for this transmission to, to take place yeah uh, yeah but exactly. still yeah just let it flow and, and be yourself yeah and, uh, yeah i'm still learning but so, oh, of course all of us are, are we are yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a, it's something I, I i i struggled with in the past that's what i want to say about this enneagram i sure. I, I had this huge opening 23 years ago ago in my life like, yeah where i came from like zero spirituality zero consciousness uh mm -hmm. and 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 just totally shifted into a, a really conscious mind state um which opened me up uh, like i couldn't believe it like my whole worldview just turned like 180 degrees and i was i i, I was coming from a different perspective in, in, in just in one moment and um after that it's it, it went away of course like like three weeks later it was like 
uh, where is it? I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Where is it? <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to have it mm -hmm. back. And, right. uh, and uh, the years after that, I, my, my seeking took place. You know, what, what is this? What is this? What is it? experience and, and I didn't yeah. even know about the word enlightenment other than the enlightenment from the Middle Ages. Oh, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing. I, uh, uh, it was so I, funny. I just I would knew say nothing that, about it. I would say like 95% <laughs> of enlightenment seekers also don't know what it is. So mm -hmm. you're not alone in that. <laughs> no, no. But I didn't even read about it. That was so yeah, yeah. far... So for, I, I was a physiotherapist, very scientific and uh, uh, well, uh, I liked helping people, like talking with people, but it was, a, uh, and I had a colleague who did Reiki and all that woo-woo yeah. stuff. And I thought, yeah, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's uh, not for me. Right, right. <laughs> and after that, I ran into those spiritual bookshops to find, find answers. And, uh, yeah. But during that seeking period, I also, uh, got some some resistance to mundane life and 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 i got depressed about it like what is this all mm. what is it all meaning it was totally meaningless yes yeah, like to, nihilism be in the nihilism absolute nihilism yeah and 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 i was fluctuating or oscillating between nihilism and and this feeling of abundance and then uh -huh. then total despair of not 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 knowing why I was here or what I was yeah. doing and how to fit into the world. And uh, it didn't look so on the outside, outside but it was nag really nagging on, in me on the inside. I yeah. Could, I could really work and, and, and do my things in the world and was reasonably successful, but I wasn't happy. And, yeah. um, and this seems to be coming together in the past, in the past years now. Like mm. I can really, Feel that there's there's some beauty in yeah. this fluctuation between nihilism <laughs> and and and, 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 yeah. uh, and abundance, you know, and uh, having this. This is also part of my personality. I have this um, mood swings where where I can be uh -huh. ultimately happy, and but also terribly depressed. And and, and, yeah. and there's also some beauty. There's truth in both, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and being able to accept it and let it flow. That's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, some an interesting fact about you, Peter, that I would love to bring up. Um, could you tell us how many physical therapy clients you had? <laughs> well, clients are, <laughs> I don't know exactly, but I, I counted about 60,000 conversations with patients. Yeah, 60,000. Yeah, 60,000 yeah. treatments. That yeah, is yeah. just such a, such a cool fact. I'm just so amazed by that. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it's like thirty thousand hours of talking and listening to people yeah and mm -hmm. um which is really really beautiful and um yeah that also i could you know now I, with i'm a type nine so i'm still the enneagram i yeah. can really feel other other people's feelings so that was uh, what was i was doing like eight yeah. or ten hours a day uh, feeling other people's feelings yeah. even exactly feeling their pain i thought it yeah. was normal right. which is yeah. <laughs> i don't uh, you know you're, you're quite working um working 
quite often solo as a physical therapist from from a young age so so you work it out yourself you talk to colleagues a little bit but this fact that i could feel everything emotionally but also the pain of others and location mm-hmm. and the intensity of the pain and mm-hmm. was something i just took for granted i said well that's what everybody does doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. but it wasn't the same so um and i think it trained me in in being more um more and more compassionate but also yeah. i left myself out sometimes because you're, you're a professional you're with somebody else yeah. so it was hard to 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 go inside i could really feel the the other but it was hard to feel my own my own stuff that, that was something i needed to work on later yeah yeah okay well let me ask you something about that because i was just having this conversation yesterday um you know a colleague asked me you know when you're working with clients do you feel their pain you know she was basically asking me advice on like um she was saying you know i go through all these uh different uh psychological cases she's like a clinical therapist and then afterward you know i some some of these cases like stick with me and i have to kind of go through a process of letting them go so i can just be with my own life and Mm -hmm. um for me i i don't really experience that because what i've had to learn this is what i'm going to ask you um what i've had to learn in in my uh working with people is definitely have to be more compassionate because like like you said it's it's like uh if there's some kind of pain coming up in me i have to be able to feel that have compassion for myself etc but the the big thing i had to learn was i had to become a lot more assertive i had to become a lot more like um okay we're not gonna let that reality be the reality here we're going to change this reality right now we're going mm-hmm. to, um, you know, put a immediate stop on blaming and shaming and guilting and you know all the the stuff the the fear based reality and we're going to call it out immediately and we're going to say, okay, this is what's happening and this is where we're going to shift into, and mm-hmm. you know because I have been a doormat in so many situations and being able to just be assertive enough to say, you know, this is not going to help if we go down that road this is the road mm-hmm. that is going to help so yeah i'm curious how you feel about that yeah i, I totally recognize that and i had a, a um, um, yeah i i had a I, I had a tough time being assertive in that yeah so i was i, I listened i listened very carefully and i could twist or maybe help twist the stories and maybe but it was also always gradual I wasn't yeah. I wasn't very uh, like cutting the root immediately, which yeah. is something I I I I long to do because I'm I, I really I f- you you just feel that this is not this is not something that is helping you. Let's let's cut that. Let's right. let's let's look through it. Let's go somewhere else. And right. um, sometimes it it really really helps. For example, I, one one example I, I had a. At the end of my my physical therapy career, I, I always got the, what they call the difficult patient. So when other colleagues said, "Well, I don't know what to do with this guy or this woman," uh, stand them to Peter. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Because I yeah. So and there was this one woman who had a back problem and a lot of other physical problems as well, and then she came to me and she started talking, and I always took like longer for these so-called difficult 
patients. Yeah, yeah. And so I took an hour for her, and she was she started talking, and um, and I just found out that that uh, in, in in general at a uh, at doctors, uh, patients are interrupted after nineteen seconds. Oh my gosh! Uh, on, on average. Wow. And I thought, well, I just wrote, I I I, I just uh, read this article about it, and I thought, well, I'm not going to interrupt her. But then she was still wow. talking after 50 minutes. Right. <laughs> and I was still and I was still listening. Yeah. And and not and nodding and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was well, and I was, I started to like, what what do I do now? What do I do now? And then all of a sudden she started crying. Wow. Like, oh my God, somebody's actually listening to me. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then I asked her only one question after one hour. I said, What do you really want? I want to know next time. You oh my gosh. <laughs> and it was totally not about her back it was something completely different in her life that she wanted to change uh -huh, and, uh -huh. uh, and i found that a very profound experience for myself okay you know just just let it flow through me what she what she what she had to say and listen and feel yeah and, yeah, yeah and that was healing in itself apparently and uh yeah mm -hmm. that was uh, really really nice yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. and so so really important differentiation that I think you're bringing up here is in the practitioner if we're being assertive because we have reached our limit of compassion then it's it's a lesson for us hmm. right but if it's hmm. if we're if we're having compassion and being assertive genuinely feels helpful and it's not like as a practitioner we're not trying to escape from discomfort then that's a whole different story so for for me it's kind of like um sometimes what you're saying you know what you're saying is like sometimes people just do need to talk and just need to get to be seen and to to get this energy out and mm -hmm. um you know I, I had a an experience with a family member the other day who was talking 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 nonstop for like 15 or 20 minutes or something it seemed like and um then later asked me for help with something and um i i found a chakra chart that that says one of the imbalances in this in the throat chakra is talking too much and so it's like uh it was just a perfect thing. I'm like, oh, this is this seems like it could be helpful, and and just like <laughs> sharing that. And so I'm not like I'm not pointing it out. I'm not saying you know mm -hmm. here's what you're doing wrong, but I'm mm -hmm. I'm like uh, I thought it was really cool to find an exact symptom that corresponds with an exact um, issue because one of the reasons people talk too much is because it's a way to avoid risking being seen in a deeper vulnerability like what would be more vulnerable than talking for that person yeah. right some some yeah. for some people talking a lot would be really vulnerable but if somebody's addicted to it it's probably not vulnerable it's probably a way to um mm. get Defense out of mechanism. yeah yeah exactly a coping yeah. mechanism to get out of feeling something deeper yeah yeah true 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 yeah. that oh there's so much in in what you say there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's uh, 
we we talked a lot uh, in 2011 we started a foundation called compassion for care mm. which was about exactly this topic about being a caregiver and uh, how to cope with uh, with stress and how to keep oh, your yeah. compassion or build your compassion and not yeah. lose it while you're while you're a doctor mm -hmm. and uh, we did a lot of training with uh, with um, with doctors but also with uh, nurses and also with uh, uh, the boards of uh, hospitals and we talked about why did you start in healthcare and why did you uh, why did you why was you how is your career going why do you feel about it what is uh, what is exactly happening and and we talked about real compassion and we uh, the definition of compassion I, of yeah. course with my buddhist background i had some definitions ready but it's uh, uh, right. something that is so so interesting because it is I think it is about, and that's what you touched upon also, it's about being with your own discomfort while you listen to the discomfort of yeah. others. Yeah. And that is the most difficult part. Uh, so I asked also asked doctors and other people like, do you, are you willing to feel the pain of others? Yeah. And, and some of them said, yeah, I do, I do. And, and, and I, can, I can let it, and I can let it go after the treatment or I can let it go after I talk. Yeah. But uh, some say, well, no, 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 I close myself completely off mm -hmm. uh, uh, because then I, I would be dead at the end of the day if I, I, would, mm -hmm. I would feel everything. Mm -hmm. So, and both are, are valid, you know, both are, are just coping mechanisms and not everybody can totally open up, I learned, yeah. to, 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 um, to all the suffering that they come, come across. And especially yeah. when you are in a, in a, you know, like a specialty that is, that is uh, quite hard. Like oncology or something that, mm -hmm. that is something mm -hmm. you need your defense mechanisms every now and then and um but sometimes you can just be open and and and, and let it flow through you and there was some there's some interesting research which we also talked about is that the people who are who have learned to be open and let it flow through them um actually have less chance of burnout than the people who close off more and more around the heart totally and, yeah and, yeah, so that was a, that was quite interesting. And and one example I got was was what was really profound in 2009. The Dalai Lama was in the Netherlands. Yeah, and I and I saw him coming in and meeting people, and people were standing in line to to shake his hand, and and the way he did that was just just so eye opening for me. He, okay. He, he he shook their hands and he touched them and he looked them in the eyes and they had total like total awareness, total focus on that person. Yeah, yeah. And people were blown away while they were with him and they started hugging him and kissing me and they didn't know what to do. <laughs> and, and, well, and then he let them go and it just, the other people, the other person was at the, his total attention and, and then he let them go. And, and I saw him just like zooming in and then zooming out and zooming in and oh, there was no residue. There was no residue. It was just, it was so interesting to watch. That, wow, uh, and they were blown away by uh, the people were blown away by the intensity of his awareness or his, his attention. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't handle it. I could see it, <laughs> also because yeah. he's famous, of course. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, aura around him. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, it was interesting the way he zoomed in and out, in and out. And I recognized from being a, a caregiver that you have to zoom in, but you and but you also have to let it go quite quickly. Mm -hmm. Right, and uh, that that's. Uh, that's something you need to learn when you work with people, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, 
yeah it's a, it's a whole different thing when when somebody is like a celebrity because like you said there's this aura that comes with it and there's this sort of like uh like i kind of touched on earlier when you're watching when when you're um familiar with a youtube celebrity or something it can feel like you know them already it can feel like you have a relationship with them because you've heard them talking so much but they haven't heard you right it's not a two-way thing and this is a an issue that only exists within the last hundred years right this comes with pre-recorded video and this never existed before in humanity where there's a one-way conversation or one-way relationship like that mm. and so it's like a phenomenon that as humans we're still kind of wrapping our minds around because you know i feel like i'm best friends with jim carrey or i feel like i'm you know like i <laughs> i know uh different presidents on a personal level because i i know their mannerisms and i know you know what their style of opinions are and stuff like this but but they've of course never heard of me or never never seen me mm -hmm. and yeah i find yeah. this to be really really interesting so when people come to meet the dalai lama you know if i came to meet the dalai lama i would definitely feel like um oh yeah remember me and of course it's it's mm -hmm. a one it's a one-way thing yeah yeah there's even a Buddhist story that comes up in me, and I, I probably won't tell it correctly, but <laughs> there was this enlightened master, so-called enlightened master in a Zen monastery in Japan. And, and then the, the governor came over and um, he noticed that when he was waiting for the governor with a lot of other people, he had sweaty hands. And at that moment, he realized he wasn't that enlightened and went off to another monastery to, to, with another master and <laughs> learn not to be embarrassed or, or not to feel that that sweaty hands and that, that oh. uh, yeah and then he came back enlightened after eight years and was head of the that, oh my that Zen monastery again that's the, that's in short the story wow. and uh yeah it's, it's a nice story yeah it's while we, we we cannot see people as our equal mm -hmm. then yeah or see people that as as our uh twin souls then um we're still not there, <laughs> even when they are the Dalai Lama or the president of the United States. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. shouldn't matter. Yeah, they're all souls. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that comes up for me. I don't know if you if you uh, saw my recent article about enlightenment versus self realization. No, I didn't. But let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I would love curious. to. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's a, a great subject. It is a really interesting topic. Um, and so, you know, why don't I kind of uh, summarize the article and, and I'll, I'll share my perspective about these two and uh, yeah, we'll see what comes of it. Um, so there, there's a distinct difference and, and I don't know if this is gonna be um, exactly the same definitions in every you know uh school of thought and I, and I can't really speak for others but i can just say what i understand so mm -hmm. um enlightenment is basically um the mind releasing 
the belief in the I thought. So if I have an identity as an individual person, um, moving into one of the various stages of enlightenment releases this belief in I. And it doesn't mean, like, it doesn't mean there stops being an I, like, like uh, an enlightened person could still say, I'm going to make my bed. But mm-hmm. um, it's, but there's no, there's no um, sense of individual self that is doing that. So it's kind of like a spontaneous automatic thing. It's kind of like we we're talking about dancing. It's, it's sort of um, divine. Everything is divine. You know, like if I am going to brush my teeth, it's still just God brushing their teeth and, and the person is, is doing it automatically and, and not um, doing it as a personal um, willpower kind of thing. And, and there's, as far as I understand it, there's um, one, two, three, four, five stages of enlightenment. So five levels of um, the depth of the, the releasing the belief in I. And, mm-hmm. and then when it gets to the fifth stage, um, that's it. Like, like it's, it's maximum enlightenment. And mm-hmm. um, so, so enlightenment of the mind, therefore, is is finite you you can start the the lowest stage of enlightenment then you finish at the highest stage of enlightenment and then and and then uh when someone's going through an enlightenment process um this has little to no effect on trauma and trauma healing or resolving trauma and resolving um, stuck thought forms in the body, resolving um, different conditionings. Um, this is self-realization. And so somebody mm. can, can be doing the self-realization process and it can lead to different stages of enlightenment and often it needs to, but not necessarily. So somebody can be deeply self-realized and not enlightened and somebody can be deeply enlightened and not necessarily self-realized. And just to give an example of this, um, Genghis Khan is somebody who is uh, was purportedly enlightened, but of course he's famous for like, you know, raping and pillaging and creating havoc. And so he had a lot of his trauma intact. So so if he's um, actually fully enlightened, but he had a lot of trauma intact and so not necessarily self-realized. And, you know, for me, I've done a lot of self-realization work, um, which is actually infinite. There's no end to self-realization work. And that's mm-hmm. you, some, some call that enlightenment of the heart, but I just call it to differentiate, I call it self-realization. And, um, but I'm, but my mind is, uh, I still have the I thought 
in the mind. Mm-hmm. Like I still have mm-hmm. the, the I identity. And so I can do more self-realization work and, and um, like I can, I can actually help an enlightened person. And, um, and I have. And so this is uh, a really interesting, uh, this, this has been an interesting process to learn because I have in the past conflated these two um, thinking that what they're the same and they're actually very different processes in my experience. And um, yeah, I just wanted to hear if you have anything you want to chime in on that. Yeah. Well, let, let's not talk about definition of words and, and uh, but, but I, I really feel what you're saying that, that, you know, after this insight of going beyond the egoic self and, mm-hmm. and, and realizing that the, the self with a capital S, the work only starts, in my opinion. I can yeah. only talk about, about my own uh, experience. Yeah. And um, I totally thought I was there. I was, it was so complete, so beautiful, so warm, so connected, so insightful. It was, it was, it was everything. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was gone after <laughs> three weeks. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I still laugh about it. And I, and I, for years, I still thought I was there because yeah. I, I, I realized something. But um, my life is still a mess. For <laughs> It was still like, yeah, my still, my old me was still, I was still carrying around and uh, with all the stuff in it and I'm still doing it, carrying it around. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's actually also what, what uh, Nicole and I talk a lot about in, in, in the, with, with the sessions we do. We, you can bring people with breath work into a high realization, realization if they're, you know the time is right if the if the uh, if they do the practice right and 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 it is is their time we have like beautiful mind opening experiences really going beyond yeah uh, and sometimes it's um, it's stuck somewhere in the body and sometimes so it becomes more like like you call it a uh, uh, self realization exercise yeah. the breath yeah. work and uh, um, because we have a, we have a lot of like mind-opening experiences ourselves. our emphasis is about you know transcending that stuff first and then having that experience and from that experience with a new uh, insight with a new consciousness with a new awareness start working on yourself which becomes easier not easy but maybe a little bit easier when you have that have had that some some taste of enlightenment or some taste of, of a mind opening experience yeah um, and um, yeah it's been off and on for me so there was a lot of mind opening experiences with breath work with psychedelics with uh, also with with everything I do actually <laughs> even running a marathon was a mind blowing experience for me like a mind wow. opening yeah I go and um, so a lot of things become spiritual practice. Everything becomes spiritual practice. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that said, I also did a, did a lot of bypassing and, mm. uh, from trauma, and uh, mm-hmm. also because I did not know where, the, where this trauma was coming from. I do now. 
-huh. and uh, I'm working I'm working with that so mm -hmm. so I, I totally get what you're saying and I think it's it's correct we could talk about the definitions and the words but I think it's correct that cool and um, and uh, that's something I've been working on the past years do we need to clear the path in ourselves totally Mm. to have this enlightenment enlightenment experience mm -hmm. I, I think not and you're saying right. the same no. No, no yeah no. no we don't need to but it's good to have that experience and then starting to realize that okay i can have this maybe this continuous flow when i have less barriers in myself is that something you 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 agree with so when when this can this that's actually my main question i think can this enlightenment experience become more permanent if we we have worked on ourselves more when we have more self-realization as you call it yeah yeah it's a great you question think? yeah so um you know just for anybody who needs the clarification uh another word for enlightenment is non-duality and which means um not um when when we when we are believing that i am the i thought then we are in duality which is you know the the mind is always good bad right wrong um pretty ugly you know it, it's all these polarities that that is uh that we identify with in the mind. Um, so when we stabilize in non-duality, we are essentially stabilizing in grace, like Peter was bringing up earlier. We're stabilizing in a, a um, identity of grace, essentially, instead of identity of I. And so having enlightenment experiences which you know grace grace of god experiences is common and and like peter was saying you know it can come through breath work it can come through psychedelics it can come through sex it can come through various spiritual experiences dance you know uh like you mentioned marathon all these kinds of experiences it can genuinely shoot us up into one of the stages of enlightenment and if if we don't stabilize there we'll come back down and one of the big reasons for not stabilizing there is um not trusting ourselves not trusting ourselves in um that we deserve grace or that we are going to be trustworthy with that much power and I have personally actually had a fear of enlightenment because it's it's a state of spontaneity. It's a state of I'm going to do whatever I feel like, basically. I'm going to do whatever I want. And so the more self-realized we are, the more we become aware of our dark sides, our motives, and then the more we're going to trust ourselves with spontaneity the more we're going to trust ourselves with enlightenment. And so I actually believe, you know, I've, I've gone into enlightenment for two days and I, I couldn't maintain it because there was a non self-realized wound that 
pulled me back because I didn't trust myself to express the darkness in a way that was healthy or, or, uh, you know, not gonna hurt somebody or destroy my life or whatever, you know, and, and, you know, it, it tends to be, um, an exaggerated ex extremist point of view. So it's not necessarily true that I'm going to destroy myself, but that's the fear that comes up in enlightenment. And so we can either go deeper into the trauma and resolve that, or we, or we have to pull ourselves out of enlightenment or like some people like Genghis Khan, for example, um, you know, some people just don't care. Some people don't have that priority of, of heart opening. And so they're, they don't mind being enlightened and destructive. But for me, I feel like I just know too much and I, I need to um, actually resolve the wounding in order to trust myself with enlightenment. That's just my, my own um, path that I'm working through right now. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. And, and, and you could ask the question, is that true? Is that something you can decide on, about? Is it something that you could say that, that also the, the, the negative aspects of you or the, the violence of you is part of the world and is part of and is needed in the world. For, and, uh, and, and what I, well, from what I understand that the, this, this tantric view of the world is that everything is allowed to be there. Uh, everything is perfect the way it is, the violence, the, the, the violations, yeah. uh, the, everything, everything. Uh, the beautiful stuff uh, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter the sex the, the abuse the yeah. uh, the love everything is is part of life and um but that said if you if you look at, at the jokshin teachings in tibetan buddhism for example and the, the the higher tantric teachings it is you're not allowed to do them or you were not allowed to do them before you trained in in compassion uh for many many years so so that, that there was exactly. a real gradual yeah. path before you yeah uh, took on this this big responsibility of being totally spontaneous and maybe violent even yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah it is a yeah yeah it is a um you know the, there are these two ways of looking at it one way is you know i i talked to one of my teachers like i'm afraid what if i become an axe murderer when i'm when I'm totally awake and, and she's, she said like, what's wrong with being an ex murderer? Like, that's kind of just what happens if, that, if that's who you are, you know, that's, that's who you are. And yeah. I thought yeah. that was hilarious because it's, it's like, well, I guess yeah, that's it is. one way to look at it. Right. <laughs> and, and um, I, I had the same, yeah. have the same discussion this week with a friend, same, exactly oh, wow, the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Ex-military, yeah. ex-military. Uh, in Afghanistan, by the way, and and I had to say he had the same experience. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I, if I if I kill someone, I kill someone. It's it's, it's my karma. It's my my way. Mm -hmm. But I still I I have a hard time with that. I I feel I have a hard time. I feel that. If we are enlightened, we are naturally compassionate. Mm -hmm. that, that is something that goes hand in hand, I feel. 
that's my experience in, in my my mind-blowing experience is that i felt so much love so much connection right but but uh, i just want to say it, it, it would be yeah i want to say that you have already gone through the compassion route and so it has that meaning to you right but mm -hmm. i but i have personally met people who were prematurely enlightened and they did not have that compassion piece in them right they they That's were scary yeah exactly That's they scary. were they were awake but but their heart was closed and you know um I, I is that is that true problem. awakening? That's that's something to to really ponder about. Is that true awakening? Well, is it's that awakening just an of insight the, of the mind. Right. Well, that's why I'm I'm saying that there's there's these uh, differences because um, the the mind can awaken before the heart, and if it does, it can be dangerous. So it's it's mm. not like like the direction that humans are moving is to awaken both right we have to awaken the mind we have to awaken the heart also mm -hmm. and and that full spectrum awakening is what's going to take us into the next period of evolution but mm. someone can have a true awakening of the mind without an awakening of the heart and that creates more confusion than um than good Right. And so, mm. so this is why that Tibetan tradition exists is because if somebody doesn't get that compassion training first, um, it can be a real issue. Um, and I'll also just add, um, oh, I kind of had a, my mind, my mind blanked on, on what that was. <laughs> All right, no, no. I, I have said. Well, it's interesting that that in Tibetan Buddhism there's no such thing as a heart and a mind. They call it the heart mind. It's just uh -huh. one thing. Uh -huh. And if they they point to their the mind, they point to their heart. Uh -huh. So that's yeah. Just just to mention that. That's, is there is this split that we have in our Western way of thinking? Is that really some something that? That's based in truth. I don't know. It's not my experience. Yeah, I, I find it hard yeah. to believe that you can be enlightened without a heart opening, without mm -hmm. a feeling of interconnectedness, without a feeling of compassion. I find that so difficult to to comprehend. Uh, but I, I I often hear it, but I I just can't comprehend it because maybe well, it's my personality. Yeah, yeah. I, I could I could say it another way, which which can be easier to grasp. So. Um, the the heart let's say the heart has a bunch of chambers right let's say there's a hundred chambers of the heart and bringing light into all 100 is self-realization you know just to give you a some mm -hmm. kind of some something to work with um so somebody who has an awakening of the mind um and they have awakened five percent of their heart they can and, and the heart represents the whole body right so somebody can be 100 percent enlightened in five percent of their body and then mm. if they start to if their behavior is destructive then they'll start to get reflections from people like you keep doing this and this and this like 
you're totally spontaneous and you're totally um, trusting of yourself and you're totally, you know, you're awakened to, to releasing the I thought, but your behavior is still toxic. And so getting mm -hmm. that feedback, it, it could open up more of their heart. And then let's say it opens up another 10%. They're no longer going to be enlightened um, as they process that. And then if you add the 5%, the 10%, 15%, uh, they can, they then have the opportunity to become enlightened in 15% of their body. And then they can sink back down below the stabilization of enlightenment as they realize they have more shit to deal with. And then somebody can become, you know, 100% enlightened in 50% of their body and so on. So, so it's mm -hmm. kind of like, um, as we realize we have more stuff to deal with, it generally will destabilize someone's enlightenment for a period. And then mm -hmm. they, they look more at what needs to be self-realized and then it's possible to restabilize enlightenment after that. So that's what I've seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting yeah. issue. It is interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. And, and um, I, I keep thinking about, about the, the, the travels I did in Dan and Tibet, you know, visiting uh, monasteries like was truly amazing but these they they refer uh they refer these beautiful teachers that were totally crazy you know that uh, right there's one one of village in bhutan that's full of penises on walls because there was this teacher who, wow. who yeah was doing it with everybody so and they this craziness they they have a Kind of reveration for that. It's like it's that beautiful, this spontaneity. They and and yeah. uh, but he wasn't making everybody happy, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um are more examples of, of like harsh teachers in that way. So exactly. Yeah. Because they see maybe the long-term effects of what they do, or the not not only the short-term things, and that's right. the way they explain it. But um, right, yeah 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 it is but what do you think as, as as teachers should we is it dangerous to to give practices that awaken people well early in their development or do we trust the process fully or aren't we any aren't we even in control of it and just yeah do, I don't do we do what we need to do yeah i think i think it's a. Uh... It's very rare that somebody prematurely awakens. It's really not something that we can control because most spiritual practices do intentionally go hand in hand with compassion and self-realization. You know, self-realization often leads to the possibility of enlightenment, but um, self-realization is the process of compassion it is the process of taking responsibility for ourselves and it is the process of you know unraveling our core wounds and this um is usually like when you're doing breath work this is probably what most people are doing is like getting 
you know, prana into their core wounds and, and they're feeling things that they haven't been able to feel before. And your guidance is like helping them to accept that and, and to accept their pain and to accept themselves more deeply. And so the way you, you particularly frame things is a very compassionate lens. And so having that be the path that gives them the possibility of awakening I think it's perfectly safe. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there are different methods that I don't, I don't actually know any methods that don't involve compassion or self-realization because I'm not interested in those. Um, but there are uh, different plants and um, let's say, um rituals and things like that that can like you know black magic kinds of things these kinds of things can trigger a mind awakening without teachings of compassion um i just don't really know anybody who does that but but i know that it is out there mm -hmm. yeah and you don't mean plants like ayahuasca and that kind of stuff or um, no, more like I, I actually don't know, but the the monk who assisted Genghis Khan in becoming awakened had some kind of um, tonic that helped with that process. So it wasn't a path of compassion. It was it was like a um, I don't exactly know what happened, but mm -hmm. it was something that was used specifically for awakening of the mind and and not the heart probably soma i don't know uh, in, yeah no that's what they use and uh, used to use or maybe still use in the himalayas wow soma kind of a yeah. potion i don't know what it's made of but, uh, yeah uh, yeah and the greeks yeah. greeks were using kikion okay and, uh, yeah yeah but anyways yeah <clears throat> how do we how do we get here um, I think it's just something we're both interested in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah. I, I want to say something about the, the sessions we do are very much based on uh, on love and on com compassion for yourself. Right, Because... Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's the whole hippie saying, and you know, love solves everything. But it is, yeah. it is in my in my opinion, and uh, it is the medicine for for yourself. And uh, today I did a one-on-one breathwork session with someone who had done like shamanic, rough, deep breathwork with screaming and shouting. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And we today she came here after many years of not doing breath work and um, we did a very loving and opening breath work session which brought her to tears and was really wow. opening without the you know without having to force anything yeah so, and um, with just by opening the heart with the breath and uh, connecting yeah. with the stuff what's in you and bringing it all together at the end of the session into the heart and that, especially awesome. that last bit was really opening and, yeah. and it felt like yeah this is the way this is the way for me just to 
while you heal yourself, try to be with your heart. Mm. Uh, and um, yeah, that's also what I'm learning, trying to learn myself to be with my heart while I'm suffering mm -hmm. or while I see suffering. Mm -hmm. And um, that it, that, the, 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 the toughest lesson I got was in the ayahuasca session uh, in April, last April, a few months mm -hmm. ago. Uh -huh where I asked, overconfidently asked for every suffering I could get. Just give me everything. Oh my me gosh. See everything. Yeah. <laughs> I can take it. I thought mm -hmm. I could take it. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't. <laughs> 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 like the first thing she showed me was like, oh no, not that. So, right. Because uh, it, it just it hurt too much. It, yeah. it, um, if you're totally open and your heart is totally open, it's... Um, I'm not that awakened that I could take everything on me in me in my heart. So, yeah, that was a great lesson, and I, I and it was a lesson of of also of compassion for others. Like, if you don't, if you're not able to open up to all the suffering in yourself, take it easy. Take it easy. It yeah. will gradually gradually build your heart. Gradually build your capacity to hold it all. And, uh, yeah, that is. Uh, that's what I how I feel about it now, and of yeah. course, there's, there's there are there's something to be said to, to break through sometimes to really go through something. And I remember you were telling me that you were shouting through a whole breathwork session, like one hour yeah. long, yeah, just yeah, screaming. Yeah, it feels great. It's awesome. Which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've done that several times with your sessions. Yeah, yeah. How did that feel for you? It's great. It's like, it came out. you know, I, I was talking earlier about how I don't, um, I, I have a fear of, you know, awakening to the killer in me. Right. And being able to express that, that like mm -hmm. aggression during breath work is such a release because, oh, also I wanted to add like somebody who is, um, one of my, my teachers, reflected this back to me somebody who's afraid of being an axe murderer is probably not going to be an axe murderer right so they just need to get that energy out and and that's what i've experienced in the breathwork sessions is like what a great opportunity to just be with our intensity to be with our anger to be with our roar because we don't always give ourselves that opportunity you know we're making sure mm -hmm. not to step on other people's toes we don't want to disturb people or scare people etc and to just give ourselves that opportunity to be loud and wild in breath work is like a huge relief for me i love it yeah yeah allow that that killer energy that is in you that is in every one of us to express itself without hurting anyone just but just yeah feeling that pure energy and knowing that it's just pure yeah. energy, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, rec exactly. I recognize that, yeah. yeah. And also facing the truth that you are a killer. You know, you 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 eat animals. Yeah. In previous life, you probably killed someone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we are killers as human beings, and just facing that is uh, can be really profound. Yeah. Without right. going off into that rabbit hole of violence and, <laughs> and 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 right. enjoying it too much but it's more like like yeah 
and acknowledging that 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 is also a part of of your of your human beingness yeah yeah, yeah. i've been watching a, a survival show on netflix called alone and just watching mm -hmm. how people catch rabbits and and big big animals and fish and just like you know they're losing their body fat and they're they need calories and it's like sometimes when they catch an animal they start sobbing because of how much that's going to mean for their sustenance for their health and just being able to to see that like they're not at all concerned about killing because they're going to die themselves if they don't get the animal and mm -hmm. and that's just so profound to me because it's like it's so different in our modern culture we have so much guilt and shame about our our killer aspect but it's there for a reason it's like it's how humans have survived for you know thousands of years so it's it's really yeah. essential to be in touch with that it's it's like actually you know it, like something i've discovered in my romantic relationships uh, the man being in touch with their killer aspect is what actually causes the woman to trust him because mm -hmm. without being in touch with that he's not going to trust himself and so how could she trust him mm -hmm. yeah true that's a very primal yeah feeling i think of safety yeah 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 absolutely yeah. yeah 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 true um you know one one more thing i think we're gonna wrap up soon but one more thing i wanted to say um is wrapping my mind around the various woundings that we are dealing with as humans like you mentioned in your ayahuasca session you said like oh no not that right um, there's a lot of those in me and in all of us, like, oh no, anything but that. And being able to understand the typical woundings um, that humans all have to deal with, you know, growing up to adults. Um, I'm reading a book right now by Alejandro Jodorowsky, famous filmmaker. Um, and in his book, he lists out these core woundings that all humans have to grow through. And they're not pretty, you know, there's the um, sadomasochistic wound core, there's the incestuous wounding, there's cannibalistic wounding, there's the not the um, what's it called the narcissistic wounding. And, and all of these are like, basically our worst nightmares as humans and mm -hmm. being able to just like see it for what it is, understand it is for me, the first step to having compassion for that wound, for that process. It's natural and it's normal and it's not something to be ashamed of. And so if I can know the terrain intellectually first, it really helps me to emotionally surrender to it and to see it mm -hmm. as, um innocent and normal and and not have to be so attached to the idea that i'm doing something wrong or that i'm evil or that i'm dangerous blah 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 and yeah that's mm -hmm. that's been a huge blessing and i'm going in deep on that right now understanding this framework because it's it's like really getting at the core of some of some uh 
knots, emotional knots inside of myself that that I'm like finally really seeing after a long process. I'm finally able to um, have the courage to pick it up and look at it from all angles instead of shying away from it. Mm. Yeah. 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 But at the core of all those, if you if you look at all those traumas, they all the, the basis of all of it is, is like greed, uh, hate, uh, anger, and uh, yeah. and jealousy. You know that those are the yeah. basics, <laughs> basic yeah, yeah. things that 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 yeah. uh, that drive these traumas. And uh, yeah, and uh, when I when I hear that. I think it's it's good to know where which which are yours and which are not and which are with you and and, and maybe even know them from from previous lives. Yeah. Uh, but also, I, I come back to this this quote from from a, from a Buddhist teacher called Bilbo Kienze Rinpoche. With he said, "Well, cut not the root of phenomena." That's always what I, I it made such a deep impression on me that when say, say I, it again. Cut not the root of phenomena. So cut not uh -huh. the root of all the phenomena. Uh, yeah. I, I I misquote him probably, but it, it's like that cut not the root of phenomena because they are endless. Cut the root of the mind. If you cut the root of the mind, you will know one thing and therefore know everything. Uh -huh. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, and <clears throat> that comes back maybe to that that cutting the root of the mind is like the enlightenment experience mm -hmm. and. And there he promises that everything will be rightly seen as it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And therefore transformed. Yeah. And, and what we were talking about is that yeah, we can have this, you know, cutting of the cutting of the root, but still need to cut some of the <laughs> phenomena that are in us. Yeah, and and, um, and I'm also yeah, looking um, at it like like it's it's blossoming the phenomena. Like he he goes into and. In, really beautifully in his book like the the narcissistic wound turns into um healthy narcissism that is necessary for an actor to do their thing on stage mm. um and then the mm. sado the sadomasochistic wound turns into the healthy uh violence you could say that uh blossom is into somebody being an excellent surgeon or a really good butcher, right? There's mm. like certain, like the, the wounds are not meant to get cut, but they're meant to um, develop into something useful. Something useful, something compassionate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's yeah. a beautiful way to think about it. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It feels like a great place to wrap up to because we kind of got to a little like uh meeting of the minds <laughs> yes it did yeah <laughs> thank you very much always wonderful to talk to you and uh, yeah likewise yeah hope we can do it again someday yeah yeah likewise um so peter i'm gonna say uh your website is breathandenergy.com and you're yeah. uh you're located in the netherlands and europe um and i know you do uh yeah online sessions, breathwork, anything else you want to share that uh, that you want people to know about? Yeah, we, we do psilocybin guided uh, trips also. 
Uh-huh. And that's legal in Holland, uh, yeah. That's legal with truffles. Yeah. That's a little loophole in the law here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they forgot to mention truffles. Uh, uh, they only mentioned the mushrooms in the law. So we have oh. this little loophole that, <laughs> that okay. we can use. So we, we, we do that. Uh, we guide uh, also partner sessions, Nicola and I together, mm-hmm. where we do breath work and energy work uh, with partners, which we really love to do. It's like a spiritual marriage. We go off into this same mind state together. And that's yeah. something we experience very deeply also, the two of us. So Yeah, and they're amazing. Uh, so we guide that. They got, we got that and yeah i do online sessions i do online one-on-one online group and we start again on the 5th of september on monday evenings at eight so awesome. you can join again george if you want to yeah looking forward and uh yeah um doing work i've given uh, a seven week chakra course which were live courses with a group of 12 people it's very, very nice because you, you go into a real journey of seven weeks. Every week we do a different chakra, different themes yeah. and a different exercises with pranayama, but also breath work. And we go deeper and deeper and into higher and higher and more subtle consciousness during those seven weeks. And I'm trying to make that into an online course, but uh, that's cool. a lot of work. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we'll take some time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, definitely yeah. stuff worth checking out. And and uh, if you join the Breathwork and you're listening, perhaps I'll see you there because it's yeah, one of my favorite parts of the week. So yeah, looking forward. So thank you so much for joining us, Peter. And yeah, really grateful. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Joshua. All right. And see, you soon. For, see you soon. Thanks for listening and see you next time on the Quantum Theater Podcast.